0: So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Sarah Smith. Sarah, you absolutely killed it on here and we look forward to having you on again down the road. So, now for episode 98 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people.
1: What's going on, everybody? Hope everyone's having a great night right now. Uh, wow, 98, we're forever approaching the big one. Uh, am I a little under the weather tonight? Sure, but I'm super pumped nonetheless because we're going to be talking about two Love em or Hate em shows that are really huge right now. Without further ado, Eric, why don't you tell the audience what uh, two shows we're going to be di- dissecting tonight.
0: I will do that. Flu game, Matt, I did not know you were under the weather. You would have <laughs> maybe had to reschedule knowing this, but you're an absolute warrior for rallying I'm and good. recording with me tonight. So yes, yeah, so for this episode we're going to be going over, doing a part two basically to our Lord of the Rings and House of the Dragon show that we released a few months ago. At this point now, wherein the first rendition we offered our initial thoughts and predictions as to what was to come in both those shows. And now, of course, if you've been following along, you know that the Rings of Power show's inaugural season is wrapped up, and at the time of recording, there's one episode left of House of the Dragon. So now we're going to be doing the bookend to that, offering our thoughts on the first seasons and getting into predictions for the second seasons for both those shows. So where we left off last episode, we had only seen two episodes of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. So we didn't give that show as much time as we did House of the Dragon. So I think that's a good place for us to start is to provide an overview of the rest of the season and just our overall thoughts on the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power show. So Matt, I'll throw it over you first. And now that the first full season has been released, what are your thoughts on um, the Rings of Power show? A lot of people at my
1: workplace watch Rings of Power and we discuss every week. It's a question I get asked a lot, like, are you a fan of the Lord of the Rings show? Having finished season one, I can firmly say that I really enjoyed the show, uh, season one of the show. Is it the greatest thing ever? No. It has a lot of strengths. I have a lot of issues with it too, Eric, and we'll get into that later. But no, my overall thoughts is it's a really enjoyable show. And before I get into details, Eric, what what are your thoughts on the show?
0: Okay, so my initial thoughts are that I really enjoyed the show. And in my opinion, it got better as the season went along, which ideally Mm. is what happens with any show. And especially from... Initial reaction was, I wasn't as into it as I was with House of the Dragon, and we don't need to compare them right away there, but that's just what I had said in the last episode too, in that I was hooked from the start, House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings, I didn't really know where the story was going, and there a lot more storylines as well, but I I really like where all the storylines went, and like I said, for me, as my familiarity and time spent with the characters grew... So did my appreciation for the show and the visuals are one of the things that stand out the most. And we talked about it in the last episode as well. So many beautiful scenes, action packed. And yeah, like the, one of the things I like the most honestly is, was the ending. I don't know if we want to skip to that right away, but yeah, when the end happened, I was itching for another episode. So that's a good sign in that I like yeah. where it's headed. And overall, I really enjoyed the first season. So those would be my opening thoughts as well. Is there a specific um, storyline that you want us to start off dissecting first or where did you want to start off with the show past general opening thoughts?
1: Uh, I'm glad you mentioned storylines because I felt episode three, like the middle part of the show felt a little slow to me because it was just building up every episode to what we eventually got, which to me, the payoff was worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um very slow-moving show in the first half, you know, like kind of Game of Thrones-esque, bouncing around from people to people. Something House of Dragons is not doing, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> but we're this the Rings of Power is very like you got to be super patient. Some episodes we only got a bit of like Elrond and Durin, and then a bit of maybe Nori and the Stranger. So like you had to wait for the going back to the characters that you that you like the most. Uh, but you know what? Like you said, the ending was phenomenal. All the payoffs were great. I didn't see. I mean, you called the stranger his re, uh, the reveal of the stranger, Eric, in our first in the first episode we discussed this. But uh, how could you see that Sauron twist coming? I don't know. I, I, I that came out of left field for me in a good way. I had no idea that was going to happen. Let's start with the whole Halbrand Galadriel Numenor um, part. I mean, Numenor was the greatest set in my opinion in the show. Like it was mind blowing. Loved it. Oh, like it reminded me of like ancient Rome and it had like all the politicians and you got the Queen Regent and the soldiers look cool. Like just the, the, the design of the armor, the sh- everything looked badass on Numenor. Um oh, yeah, introduced to Alendil and a Sildor, which you know we know the names. Yeah. Um but yeah, did you like that storyline, Eric?
0: I love that storyline and like you Well, I'll just say right off the top. So, I listened to a podcast that basically dissects this show on a weekly basis. And some of the guys on that podcast predicted that Halbrand would be Sauron. So, unfortunately, I always had that in the back of my mind. This was just, like... This was not on my radar at all. But from... I think it was, like, episode 4 or 5 on. They're like, oh, like, Sauron is a known, like, master of disguise. So, he could be Halbrand. I'm like, damn it. Like, that makes sense. King of the Uh... Southland. So, like... it kind of tainted my, not necessarily tainted, but I went in with like some sort of theory backing up what eventually did happen. So that's what I was wondering how it was for you, like what how that twist hit. I still very much enjoyed the twist. Don't get me wrong, because I was definitely it like, wasn't a hundred percent sure that he would be Sauron, but good call on their part. Anyways, so all that to say, I really like the plot. Halbrand from the beginning was kind of sketchy. You don't really know what his motivations are, and. He says if he is who he says he is and turned out to not be. But I did like his and Galadriel's relationship. And especially at the end there when he asks her, as many of our villains have done, see Kylo Ren, um, obviously Darth Vader. And I'm sure there's a bunch of mm-hmm. others there. Always asking our protagonists to join them on the dark side. And it would have been cool to see her go with them actually to um, maybe flip the script a little bit on what we know of Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. All that being said, in Numenor, yes, absolutely loved it. I thought it was, like you said, the most majestic setting, very different from what we've seen in Lord of the Rings, and it kind of brought back to like um, Minas Tirith in its prime, like you yeah. know, and even on a greater yeah. scale. Like Minas Tirith is just is a, almost a poor city's Numenor. It wishes it was Numenor, so it was really cool to see um the kings and queens like the big statues like the water just looked really cool i was a big fan of elendil as well i thought he was a really cool character like a, of a wise yeah. man and the burden of responsibility of leadership on him and like, i also feel like there's something more to it with the story on with him and his deceased wife he was very quick to dismiss any div- divulging of details on how she died like like she drowned like that's it. I don't want to talk about it. So a little sketchy there, Elendil. Oh, um, okay. Isildur too. I was definitely surprised to see him. I did not think the storyline yeah. would start this close to the fall of Sauron. Because when Elend- when um, Isildur kills Sauron eventually, he's not that old, I want to say. So Like this Isildur is also not that young necessarily. Probably maybe 19 in early 20s. Anyways, so I was surprised to see him there, but definitely loved his progression through like the Navy and kind of shooting himself in the foot, like not wanting to follow the path that's been laid down in front of him by his father. So a conflicted youth. I like that for sure. Yeah. And I like Muriel, the queen as well. So her getting into the blindness as well, and um, losing one of yeah. her senses. So I'm interested to see how she's going to be as a leader going forward. Um. And yeah, Galadriel from Day one was the MVP of the show, in my opinion. She was my favorite character, I would say. I think badass, like a cool lead character, I thought. And um, a different Galadriel mm. rendition than what we see here in Lord of the Rings as well, where she's now extremely old and very wise, calm. Although she does give into to temptation briefly when Frodo offers her the ring. But yeah, no, those would be my thoughts on the Numenor plot. I really enjoyed it. And like you, I do agree that it was kind of slow. And then once they left Numenor, that's when it picked up, especially on the action front.
1: I like the, okay, Isildur, so much potential with, this might be jumping to like what we're going to expect, but like Isildur, this is not the Isildur we know that told Elrond to F off when he said cast it into the fire when he got the ring. Like this is a totally different, like the transformation the potential to have with this character is extraordinary, and I hope they do that in the coming seasons. Yeah. He's a super important character. So is his father. So, like, perfect setup for that, showing us just enough, I think. Well, I, I honestly, like, this show could have showed us, like, it, this show could have been twice as long and still, like, we would have, like, could have went to more detail. That's how much there is to, like, present to the audience. Galadriel too. I love the whole okay, so basically basically once Mount Doom erupts, like mm. the show had my full yep. attention. Like I was now I had to watch the show as soon as it came out. When before I could watch it, like I could wait a couple days. But like once that once that like that handle went into the ground and the erupted the volcano, I was like, holy shit, this show's real now. I guess we can jump into like villagers versus orcs, because we got a lot of like battles and actions with that. Mm. Uh, the Southlanders versus the orcs, um, Eric. First, the look of the orcs and the fighting was perfect. It was so much better than the Hobbit. What do you think about like just aesthetically the orcs? Weren't they so like gruesome and badass?
0: The orcs looked fantastic. They looked like more orc than they did in Lord of the Rings. I would say the. Like I said, the budget again yeah. was incredible. They looked fantastic, even with the like long like crows' beaks on their heads, like the skulls and all that. Like that was kind of weird, but also creepy, and I like that they had a different, some different drip back in the pre, like when Sauron was still <laughs> out at large, right? So it was cool to see what they looked like in this series. I was a big fan, unsurprisingly, of the villain Adar. I thought he was very mysterious, and it was cool to see like a fallen elf and like the first Uruk as well. So it was very, very cool to follow him. I'm glad he's still kicking, not dead yet. And yes, I completely agree. The series fully picked up. Episode six, when we get all the action between the villagers and, um, Rondir versus Adar and his orcs. Fantastic stuff. And some men in there as well, men and women. So all of those battles were fantastic. Then of course the Numenorians appearing like Gandalf at the end of Lord of the Rings, uh, twin two towers at, uh, yeah. Um, Helms Deep was um, almost a kind of suspicious timing, but you know we'll let it slide. The the good guys have yeah. to win, but they ultimately didn't because then um, Waldorf or whatever his name was got to put the handle in, and then the tunnel payoff, like which I didn't see coming at all. The tunnel payoff, no. um, that that's what they were doing, trying to get some water and to get the volcano to erupt. That was really cool, and what a way to end an episode! Like that was the probably the peak. Yeah. That end episode eight. Were the best endings, no doubt in my mind. But yes, I love the action. I thought, of course, that when the villagers won seemingly the battle at the village in the first like five minutes, you know that it's not over. Like I would have been furious if that was the yeah. case. Like you can't tell me these peasants can take down a, a battalion of orcs. And um, but even though they had a with them, who is he was a great character actually. He got better as time went on. I found him to be quite dull at first, honestly. Um, but then Mm -hmm. his relationship with Bronwyn was kind of interesting to follow, but the, the, how do I word this? Um, Theo was a bitch. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Honestly, I wasn't a fan of him from day one and he only got worse as the season went on. Um, yeah, didn't really know where they were going with him. Like if he was going to turn, maybe would have preferred that. I, I just want him to die at this point. There's no real need for him to continue to be a prominent character we'll see what happens those are my opening thoughts on the southland plot i really enjoyed it. that was yeah that and the numenor were definitely my actually you know, you know what? i like the dwarf and elf plot as well so no a lot of good plots so yeah. um southland was a good plot especially for the action and like seeing what yes. would become like you you said that this was going to become mordor so
1: I was I, I was curious to see what the battle scenes were gonna look like when I first started the show, like when we just watched episode one and two, because like Lord of the Rings, the battle scenes, the battle scenes in the original trilogy have not aged a day. Like they're perfect. So I was like, they have to have good battle scenes in this show and they were they they're really great. And that those episodes flew by for me. Yep. Well the last four. But you're said the dwarven elven storylines. And I mean not if I'm right, but like episode eight finishes with the Balrog, right? No, that's seven. It's like there were seven. Okay, well that was a great ending too, actually. (laughs) But let's jump into like the Balrog, the Balrog, and the dwarves Mm and the and uh, uh, Elrond. Durin was. I loved Durin the more I got to know him, especially the scenes with his dad, where his like, he's trying to convince his dad of like those were like great, great like not arguments, but uh, just like a great discourse, Mm -hmm. and I felt so bad for Durin and. The whole thing with saving the elves and what the the dwarves were mining and what it ended up, what it led to, the creation, like the rings. I honestly, I didn't think that would be season one material. So it was nice to see all that. Elrond and Durin, like, did you find it slow at all at the start? Like, I find it's the storyline that didn't progress as much as the other ones. Like, when when we were watching Durin and Elrond, I felt a lot of times like, I just want to go back to the humans. Did you feel that way, Eric?
0: No, not really, honestly. But I see what you're saying in that it was a slow-moving storyline. And maybe we got yeah. a lot of repetitive conversation-based scenes with them. Which I can definitely see that. And now, like, obviously, I've only seen each episode once. So I forget exactly how much time it took to get really get things moving. But I do remember it being slow. But I enjoyed them non- nonetheless. Like, I thought Elrond and Durin's on-screen chemistry as like long lost friends or yeah, like old friends really reuniting for the first time in 20 years. I thought they did a great job at showcasing the tension and then what it took to convince one another to work together. And then like you said, the layers of convincing during the third, his father there. So I really enjoyed it. And then, yeah, once it got moving, it just got, and like you said, Durin got better as well. Scene after scene, he had some pretty good funny moments as well, bringing some, lighthearted humor to the seriousness of like the um, fate of the elves their race like being extinct potentially like say it say that again the entire fate of our race is in your hands like that was like that was a pretty funny scene there it's like i I enjoyed all that stuff and um yeah of course the balrog at the end you knew there was going to be something when when that leaf went into the the cave and it just kept flying like I had a feeling it was going to be the Balrog, honestly, because they said, and I guess this is like thousands of years later, but Saruman says that he knows the dwarves awoke something in the depths of the caves. So, you know, and you eventually know the Balrog yeah. comes. So, really cool to see, though, and I hope we see it in season two as well. That's um, They're not just going to show us the Balrog and be like, yep, it's there, and you're going to see it in the Fellowship of the Ring for the first yeah. time. So, um, that was really cool. But no, I enjoyed that storyline, honestly. It would probably be my, um, third favorite storyline. I'm putting the, the Hobbit storyline dead last, like by a uh, friggin' yeah. country Hobbiton mile. It was, whenever we went to that storyline, I, it was almost like a fast forward situation. Of course I didn't, but, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I actually, I really like the Dwarf and, uh, the Dwarf and Elf, the Dwarf storyline. I thought it was good.
1: You said something amazing, the, um, the show is doing an amazing job at like taking stuff from the like the Lord of the Rings original trilogy and like it's like oh remember when Sar-, like what Saruman said remember when he said this well here you go and Saruman also says in the first one like when he's talking to the Urukai he's like you were elves once mm-hmm. but you were mutated and tortured it's like Adar right there like a lot of stuff like that in the show that I love yeah the Elrond. So, like, Halbrand hands them this little, like, piece to make the rings. Like, they think he's good. I don't know. I I was... I'll be honest. I didn't really have subtitles on while big mistake. Big mistake. But, like, I was really confused with, like, the gemstones and, like, crafting. First, they wanted to craft something bigger, maybe a crown. Then they decided to go with three rings. But, like, I got a little lost with all, like, the mining and the gemstones and all that and why the dwarves needed that. Like, did they need those rings to survive? Maybe, right?
0: Well, so my question now is, or my understanding of the power of the rings is that it has the healing cre- component and property of the mithril, right? And them wearing those rings right. will maybe in some way radiates onto their entire race and the healing, I don't know, preserving properties will go like to every, every other elf as well. Because it's true, other than the ring the one tr- the one ring to rule them all. We don't really see any of these rings do anything in the, in the trilogy. So yeah. I, I hope that they get into that in the later seasons as, yeah. as far as explaining what each ring does. Like, we know that Aragorn has a ring that has two serpents, one devouring a crown of flowers and the other wearing one, you know? So what does that ring do? Who knows? Yeah, I thought it was cool though how the season okay. ended with those three rings being forged. Like you, I didn't know when we were actually going to be seeing rings just throwing this out there as well for next season i think we're gonna see the rings for the dwarves and depending how long this show goes for the men at some point obviously i don't know if they're gonna give us rings for everybody in every season though that's the only thing my guy the witch king of angmar yeah he's gonna show up at some point i hope and uh, yeah then the sauron i think he has to forge his ring last right i really hoped that they wouldn't show Halbrand uh, Sauron forge his own ring at the end. That would have been really rushed if he was just like up in Mount Doom, just chopping it up in there. I'm glad they didn't go about it that way because that is a, a huge moment that needs to be yeah. perfectly timed.
1: Well, well, I'll I'll save what I was gonna say for the predictions for future seasons, but just we have to address, like you said, the our least favorite storyline, Nori and the the Harfoots and the Stranger. I did like where it led off, which is basically the creation of them not being nomads anymore and creating like the Shire, I guess, mm. and their like village. And but I did like the, the finale with the Stranger and those three witch lady yep. thingies. I don't even know what they are. Oh, that was nice. cool. And I really did believe it was Sauron at first. Like, I was super taken in by that. Like, yeah. when they're like, Master, we found you. I'm like, holy shit, they, they made us think it's Gandalf. <laughs> What's really Sauron? I got I got really caught into that. Although there are so many clues that it is Gandalf before that. Just, like, his mannerisms and what he does. And I love when he says, like, follow your nose and all that. Like, then you're like, yeah, how could you not know it's Gandalf? Yeah. But no, him, him, like, facing them was really cool, actually. Like, you like that the finale was... It made that storyline a little better, right, Eric?
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and just on that last point too, that's basically the writers being like, "Hey, if you didn't know this was Gandalf by now, like, it's yeah. for all the idiots who haven't <laughs> figured it out by now." Follow, <laughs> like, that was a dead giveaway at the end, right? Yeah. But yes, yeah, I liked how that episode opened. Honestly, like, kind of flipping, uh, flipping it on us, making us think that he was Sauron. Obviously, knowing that, like, in the back of my mind, like, all right, it's probably Halbrand who's Sauron, so I didn't buy it. And um, okay. I don't know what my perception would have been if um, I didn't know that. Right. So it would have been like rough to see like that. They're, they've they been helping him this whole time. The hobbits have been going to bat, going to bat yeah. for him. And uh turns out he's Sauron. But I like that fight scene that where um he saved them all, and I guess they kind of saved themselves as well. Yeah, no, it was some good action as well. Good um additional intrigue for that storyline, and I like where Nori. Like I definitely didn't hate Nori's character at all. It's just I didn't really never I was never hooked into that storyline, and even with Gandalf, right? Like there wasn't really much going on with him. He didn't say much. He's kind of just discovering his powers slowly. At surely, like out of nowhere, he turns a burnt tree into a a blossoming orchard, which I thought that was a bit much like overnight. Others oh, fucking the most tree, the most apples they've ever seen in the harvest. Uh Anyways, like it's no big deal there. It's a fantasy show, but um yeah, like it's, like, there just wasn't that much happening. You know, the, the witches are chasing them and all that, and it's going to lead to some sort of showdown, but I, I always preferred the other three. Yeah. Like
1: we're following this whole storyline. Just, it's just basically the way to introduce Gandalf back yeah. in the show. It could have been cut back or... I don't know. If, if, let's say Genov had appeared out of the sky and been fully, like, been able to speak and, like, know who he is. And would that have just been better? But we are introduced to one of the... We were introduced to every single race and that was the way of doing The Hobbits. So, you know, it was good that we saw some Hobbit action. Just like you said, Eric, like, it was, like, my phone may have been coming out of my hand during those parts, maybe. The scenes with Nori and Poppy and her... I don't know, like, when her dad injures himself and it's like no go without me no no come along you'll be fine like we've seen that shit in movies and shows all the time
0: dude that goodbye scene was so long too it was actually (laughs) 10 minutes long i couldn't believe it was still going on when i while i was watching it i had to look scroll back to how much when it started i Insanely long, Poppy running away and then running back at the last minute as she's about to walk off. I'm like my God, this better not drag on for more than 35 seconds here. But anyways, it was. Uh, I'm ex- I'm interested to see where Nori and the G Unit end up in season two. And I didn't even think of that honestly. Like, I guess I missed that they said they're gonna look to colonize an area. I completely missed that. So nice Easter egg that they're gonna. She's going to be like a Christopher Columbus-esque character and discover the Shire. So that's cool. Like, So we'll see where that all leads. And maybe it's better that Gandalf wasn't fully, like, at his full powerful capacity. Because then it would have tipped the scales too much in the favor of Light. And it's a battle against Sauron that they need to win without him. I don't know. I'm just, the thought of that off the top here. Because I don't know if he did participate in that battle. The last alliance between men and Elves it's not men and elves and meteor men so it's um you can't yeah. have Gandalf in there it's an t- easy dub
1: do you want to get into predictions
0: yeah so like those are mine really that we're gonna see more rings be forged yeah rings are forged I think I think it's fair to safe to say that we're gonna see dwarves dwarves for sure up next and then men it's just are we gonna see both in the same season and I want to see more Sauron like now that we know who he is and his is honestly his speech with Galadriel was big time Vecna vibes for me. Like his coming out yeah. and, and announcing that he is one, one is Vecna and all that. Not at the same level though. Like I don't think the acting was to the same level as um, Vecna's actor, Jamie Campbell Bauer, I think, but it's still great. Like I love that scene, especially when the, um, you see the reflection of Galadriel and Halbrand in the water. And then he's in his Sauron armor. And she's l- looking to have like some sort of Sauron-esque armor as well. Like that was a sick shot. I was pumped. And, like I said, I was kind of hoping that she would uh, join him. But anyways, I'm interested to see what they do with them. And um, I want to see a-, a layered villain in Sauron. In that he wants to heal Middle-earth. I feel like that's also a classic villain um, mentality. Like a Thanos-esque of like... Uh, Um, What I'm doing is not genocide. It's um, like some sort of justice or whatever. Or the strongest sacrifices require the strongest wills, and Sauron will be that dude. So yeah, more Sauron. Yeah, that's pretty much what I want to see for now. What about you, Matt?
1: I what I would like to see is maybe three, four more seasons, and I want to see like a whole season, basically like the fall of the dwarves and Khazad Dûm. I want to see some Balrog-like destruction. Basically, I can't stop thinking about the finale of the show, which to me, without a doubt, should be The Last Alliance. Because we it's we get like two minutes of it in the first Lord of the Rings movie, and it's like one of the best parts of the movie. And that could be like a whole like six episode epicness. Just the scale of everything going on and the stakes. Oh, although we already know the result. That's the only downside. But I just want everything in the show to build up to that moment. We're gonna have to see the elves and the men like reckon like become friends and like agree with each other and like a reconciliation, not a reconciliation, I guess a reconciliation, yeah. But like the dwarves are gonna have to like hit it hard. I f- they're gonna take a a big hit. I'm thinking in the next coming seasons. Um, I'm so curious though. The nine rings, like you you mentioned them. It's like they mentioned that too in the first movie. Nine were giving to the race of men, like all kings and stuff, but like have. I can't wait to meet like the other men in the show and like future lords and I don't know are they gonna be like evil already or I'm just curious to see the new characters. I don't know. I, do you think Eric? We will have. I think we might have huge time jumps coming, kind of like House of the Dragon for like other seasons where it's like okay, ten years, ten years in the future. You know, a sildor, different actor. Yeah. That could I could totally see that happening. Different actor. Let's go. Longer hair now. Yeah. Just like in Lord <laughs> of the Rings. And show, like, cities like Minas Morgul and, like, stuff mm-hmm. we see in Lord of the Rings, you know, in, in Mordor. Uh, the building of the Tower of yeah, dur I was going to say, yeah. What would be cool is, like, a whole, like, point of view from the bad guys, which we got in this, but, like, always kind of, like, them talking to the, the humans or a deer, But, like, them just themselves, like, what's going on there? Although we might not give a shit because we can't relate to any of them. Although Adar is a little, like, you kind of feel he's not just one-dimensional. No, I'm super curious too, Eric. I think this show has so much... This show has more potential than House of the Dragon. At the end of the day, Lord of the Rings is like way more... There's so much more myth and lore to Lord of the Rings than Game of Thrones. And Lord of the Rings could be like... This show could go down as one of the greatest if they keep elevating, elevating after every season... Sure, the first season, it's not like super highly rated. A lot of people don't like it. But like if you're patient and you give it a chance, it's actually a really good show. And it ends really strongly. And a lot of people, I bet you, have only seen the first half and they gave up on it. But the ending is, it's worth watching the show just for like that last, the last five episodes, last four episodes. So yeah, that's what I think, What that's, that's what I wish to see in the future for this show.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. Very well said. And uh, yes, extremely strong back half. Great endings for those last three for sure. I forget how episode five ends, but it's probably like the dawn or the, um, yeah, the like (laughs) minutes before the battle in episode six, right? The calm before the storm, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see a point of view from the villains, honestly. And I, I hadn't even thought of a time jump, honestly, but it makes total sense unless the tower of barad-dûr is built after the fall of Sauron right maybe it only pops up uh, like from his yeah. servants building like um some sort of shrine in his honor and like the eye appears right when he i don't even know when the eye appears like i really don't know the lore of, of lord of the rings either but that could be when that appears uh, happens but also it would make sense that Sauron has his own his his outpost and um, his temple, basically, to chill in when he's not out trying to conquer Middle Earth. So I would love to see that be built as well. I agree with you. A time jump would be cool, too, to get our characters looking more like they do in uh, Fellowship of the Ring. And yes, the last season should absolutely be 90% battle. Transformers Dark of the Moon. That's what it should be. Just non-stop <laughs> battle. But I also want to see... And I wonder if we will see... Some sort of love story between Galadriel and Sauron. Like, I don't know if that's a reach... Or if that's just what he wants. But maybe there's something there. And it would be interesting to see them explore that dynamic. Because it felt like there was... Like, sparks flying with everybody in Galadriel. I mean... I don't blame them, but it's uh, I feel like her and Halbrand were vibing a little more, and uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they want to explore that side of her character and uh, especially of his character, right? Because most villains' um, turn to the dark is normally due to either loss with their families or a loved one, and then yeah, their mindset is they want to shape the world to to fit their needs which normally stems from loss so i I, like i said already i want to see more of his um mentality and uh, psychology dissected and then yeah the more characters more uh more rings that's it i mean i hadn't thought of the fall of the dwarves as well which i could definitely see that as well the you're not just throwing the balrog in there to not wreak havoc on Doom, like you said but before then, the dwarves need their rings. So, will the Balrog yeah, take them out next season or the one after that? And also, I wonder if the dwarves will be the, um, for lack of a better, lack of better word here, the middlemen in between the elves and the men, because now the dwarves are starting to develop a kind of bridge the gap between the elves and dwarves. So now they'll maybe have to broker some sort of peace between the elves and men. But yeah, like we haven't seen any men other than the Southlanders and the Numenorians. So, like I said, which King of Angmar? I'm pumped to see what they do with him. And yeah, is he already off the bat going to be a sketchy character who has uh, who's already in line with a uh, line with Sauron? Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's already um, if they're already in leagues together. I'm pumped. Like I like you said, a lot of potential for this. Excited to see where it goes for season two and onwards.
1: Yeah, well said, Eric. One last thing to add, it's like maybe you either show us men from like different, uh, like the Haradrim that we see with mm. the elephants in the third movie, yeah. like sh- different different parts of Middle Earth, you know, or the the pirate with their cor- their Corsair ships. And I don't know, like different, different ethnicities of Lord of the Rings, which we've already actually seen a lot in this yep. show. Um, but yeah, no, great show. Um, a lot different from our next show, though, and mm, I yeah. think we should get into that Could now.
0: Dive into it right now. House of the Dragon, nine episodes in. And when we recorded last, I think, well, I was definitely leaning more. I was preferring House of the Dragon personally. After nine episodes, I'll just say what my preference is right now. I'm still House of the Dragon above Rings of Power personally. My main reasoning is I do enjoy the political scheming and dialogue-heavy structure of the show. And I'm very like the, these characters are evoking stronger feelings for me than the ones in Rings of Power. Like it's not even close. I'm so invested in Team Rhaenyra right now and hating on Kristen Cole. How wrong we were about that scumbag <laughs> um, Alicent and like the High Towers. There, the acting, in my opinion, is extremely strong in House of the Dragon. In my like Olivia Cook, who plays Allison to the um, yeah. her like the her the older version of her she's like a year older than me, um, is doing an amazing job as Allison. Like she's ma- really making you dislike her, but also is giving a nuanced performance where you don't feel bad for her in the situation she's in, but you can tell that she's conflicted in what she's doing and doesn't really want to take out her childhood best friend, like her father wants. So I'm loving all these family ties and dynamics. Anyways, I, there's a lot I want to say on this, so I'll pass it off to you. What are your thoughts on House of Dragons so far through nine episodes?
1: You said a lot of great stuff there, Eric. And for House of Dragons, for me, like the stakes are so much higher. The dialogue and acting is on another level in terms of like serious tone. I, I think I have more fun and entertainment watching Rings of Power, like the battle scenes and all the callbacks to the movies. But, like, I'm really invested in, like, what's going to happen in House of the Dragon. I've heard a lot of negative things from my coworkers that are like, oh, the show's dropped off. It's it's not as good. And the reason they give is all the time jumps, with the, which the time jumps are jarring and make us, on paper, make us care less because we're less, like, we're like, oh, now we now the different actors playing these characters, like who, ca- like that was jarring at first. Like the Rhaenyra actress change and Allison actress change, like that that was jarring to me. They both do a great job. Olivia Cook, I've always loved her, even from her early days on Bates Motel. Mm. I love that actress. Um, it, it's a jarring House of the Dragon. It's like if you criticize it, I'm not I'm not gonna like fight it too much because I agree it is it is weird seeing all these time jumps, Eric. Let's talk about that for a second like do you did you like that at first like oh five years later next episode Oh, next episode is like a decade later or eight years l- later yeah is it a necessity or they're just being like let's get the show rolling
0: Yeah so I definitely defended the time jumps for like for quite quite some time but um, now I'm kind of sick of them honestly. I don't want to see more time jumps. And thankfully, from episode 8 to 9, there were none. But yeah, from the turn, and I knew that there was going to be a, a big time jump from episode 5 to 6 where the actresses would and actors would change. But I wasn't expecting another big time jump after that as well, which I did not really like, personally. Now I'm at peace with it as long as there are no other time jumps that are major from this point on. I want... Allison's kids and Raniere's kids to be like, they're going to be, I think the big players going forward. I do think the adults at some point are going to be killed and it's going to be the kids who are going to be like, handling the, like the succession, obviously and all that there. Okay. Like I said, yeah, I don't want to see more time jumps. Like the jump in my opinion from episode, I think it was seven to eight where Allison's kids aged so much. Like Amund looks like he's yeah. 35 years old. And he was 13 years old the episode before. It's insane. But the actor is actually just 20 years old. So it actually isn't that crazy of a time jump. That actor just literally, he is what he is. Like, he's 20 and he looks old. Like, there's no other way around it. But I feel like in relation to the other characters around him, it does look off. Like, he looks way older than his mom, his older brother, his um, everyone else. But that being said, I think that character is going to be a badass and someone to hate. Because, like I said, I'm not on that. Like, I'm not Team Allison here. So, yeah, all that to say. Time jumps. It's too bad because I really liked Millie Alcock as Rhaenyra. I thought she was the best character leading up to the time jump. I still obviously like Rhaenyra a lot, but she played that character so well. And all the time jumps, you miss out on a lot of storytelling. Like, there's no other way to put it. You, and it's kind of hard to believe that a character's thought process would still be the same one episode to the next if six years have passed in between it's like yo Kristen Cole like you're still this mad at Renera who dumped you 20 years ago makes no sense you know what I mean like you'd think that with so much time that's passed they'd learn to move on from certain things and we just miss out on a lot of character dynamics growth all that and there's only so much you can do in showing how people have changed over time like i think they're doing a a pretty good job at that but overall it's not my preferred way of telling a story so i like all that to say i hope we don't see too many more time jumps going forward
1: i'm 100 percent with you what they did do a great job with the time jumps is showing king Viserys is like decaying body and he he like changed in every time jump perfectly like yeah. patty constantine super well acted mm-hmm. super great actor um that was nice to see actually like his slow decay because i thought he was a goner like episode freaking four or yep. three or whatever but no like he he's a tough old bastard <laughs> you know right up to his last breath in episode uh, eight yeah. at the end but uh I don't know. There's a lot of great things I love about the show. Number one being like like you said the political power struggle. You see it throughout history, our history, you see it in so many other shows. It's so fascinating. It's amazing. Stuff I don't like is like episode 8 episode 8 which is Lord of the Tides, which is all about the succession of like Lord Corliss's kingdom or whatever. But like they spent a whole episode on like I just feel like they're doing all these time jumps but are they showing us what the right stuff or are they all just setting it up for season two and this is super important that this kid got named the successor and it's going to come back tenfolds later on which I think it will of course yep. it gave us it, it, it's given us some like jump out of our couch seats moments with like Corliss's brother getting beheaded by Damon like in an inst not beheaded but like be yep. cra- like the crane was split in half <laughs> this cranium like frig that was cool, great and like moment. the Green Council. The last episode was great. I love the Green Council. Same. All Otto and Allison's point of view, no Targaryens mostly, and it was, I loved it. You know, and ah, uh, that's the that's the shit I love right there. Just like the whisperings and the shadows. You know, Mister uh, Mister with the gimp leg, uh, Lord Laris. Uh, Laris, I think. Yeah, Laris. He's he's like Littlefinger is. My best friend compared to this yeah, creepo he's got nothing on Laris. like oh. Laris is just makes my skin crawl in that scene with Allison and she keeps hiking up her skirt. that was like that yeah. was well done because it got it made me really uncomfortable. yeah, I'm glad sure. I was watching it alone.
0: yeah, I just have like bullet points on like stuff I want to talk about like in a lot for each character and my note for Laris is fuck Laris straight up. <sighs> Not a fan, but he's a great character, right? Like he—he, he, you need those kind of creepy characters, especially in Thrones, to um, to hate. And he plays that role perfectly. And he's like the OG master of whispers and like the Lord of Spies and all that. And yeah, like uh, the yep. foot fetish, Laris. That was an uncomfortable scene. You definitely Ugh. feel bad. They're, again, they're doing a great job at making you feel bad for uh, Alicent in this position that she's yeah. in and doesn't really want to be in either. But. He is a great character. I am the rest in peace to the rest of his house though. How strong. I would have liked to see them around longer because I did like him, um, the father and the um, yeah. baby daddy for awesome. Rhaenyra. Yes. I like green council a lot. I thought that was a great episode seeing, like the motivations for all the characters as well. Like, Eamon, just bring it back to him real quick. Like, he wants to be king, whereas his brother is completely unfit. Does his brother not look like Evan Peters, too? That's all I thought watching. He yeah. looks like a young Evan Peters. Now, he got a, a, b- a little taste of power in front of the crowd, and he looked extremely uncomfortable at first, but then that flipped on a dime. So he's all excited to be king. I want, her, I, I want to see now some sibling violence between those two like I I don't like I really don't know who's gonna end up on the throne right if it's gonna be Rhaenyra's kids if it's gonna still be Allison's kids but Aegon is not the man who deserves to be on the throne I don't think he's like he looks like he could be a Joffrey honestly at this point and he hasn't really shown or I guess he has been kind of an ass to his cousins and um like that, that whole family dinner there that they had like Viserys's final dinner with them like he just kept going back and forth with them. They're like talking about sex and stuff. Like, oh, I could show you the ropes, whatever. Like, just being annoying. And then Eamon with his toast yeah. like two strong boys, very strong. Yeah. It's like, oh man, like these people there, they just love stirring, stirring the pot. And then you have their weirdo sister too. I wonder how she fits in as well. <laughs> um, I don't know because she's been so minor, just been saying these random things that have ended up, Happening? Is she a witch of some sort? Like does she have some sort of foresight? Um, like she kept saying the beast is under the the floor or the tiles, and then both Aegon was under oh. the the floor and the dragon eventually came up at the end there. Um, with Rhaenyss. Oh Rhaenys. so shit. She's like, there's something going on with her. I feel like they're not just making her say these things. And it's just like, yeah, I she's weird. That. You know, like uh, I think there's gonna be something with oh. her.
1: Damn. I did not get that.
0: And my last note I have on the Alicent front, they hinted that she has perhaps feelings for Rhaenyra and that, oh, are you more doing this to protect the memory of your fallen husband or of love for your childhood friend? And she hesitates on that and doesn't really give an answer. I still feel like there's something there, maybe more one-sided Alicent towards Rhaenyra because Rhaenyra is clearly been interested in Damon like that's been i think anyways been pretty obvious and now they're yeah. together so i'm i think there's going to be something there in season two we'll see but yeah that's those are my thoughts on the team green if you will
1: yeah my thoughts on the high towers like i yes they're the bad guys i'm cheering for the targaryens i love allison though like so smart in episode nine first thing she says is like yeah, he whispered to, re- to me his last wishes right before he died. Mm-hmm. Here's what he wanted. Like, that's brilliant. That's genius. No one can no one can refute her. And I low-key like Eamon. I think he's a badass, man. As a kid, he's the second son. He's not getting as much attention. He's definitely the strongest child of Alicent. He freaking earns that dragon. Mm-hmm. He chops, He gets his eye mangled, and he's like, "I oh, it was worth it. I got a dragon. Like, he's pretty... He, we're going to see a lot of him. To, we're going to see... Maybe not... By like dialogue, but he's gonna be doing lots of things. is my guess. I just and that actor they picked for him is perfect. You know, huge jaw, like big jaw, like mm. you know, he's he's fearsome.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I love the whole uh, two things with the knights episode again episode nine with like Sir we- uh, the um, the King's Guard Commander Sir Harrod and like Christian Cole that whole like thing in the in the council room and like Christian Cole I just want to punch oh. his face he's got like a face but he's really strong though he can back it up he's a really skilled fighter so it's like you can't mess with him too much you know Sir Herod loves Rhaenyra so it's like he's dipping out I mean how epic was the last like what was it two minutes of episode nine with uh, Rhaenys popping out with her dragon I did not expect that I was like she went down some stairs and I'm like holy shit she's getting her dragon and literally issuing the biggest warning ever like I could have roasted all of you right now but I didn't what you going to do about it bone chilling
0: eric i mean we all know that's a huge mistake that she didn't roast them but otherwise we wouldn't have a show true so we can't fault her too much she's looking out for the the viewers at home but um would have liked to see her roast a couple of them though would have been nice to see but yeah sir harold harold i thought it was harold anyway sir harold they don't like the common names so i'm not surprised that it's sir harold um, I like him as well. I knew he wouldn't flip on Rhaenyra. I would have loved to see him kill. Kr- I can't stand Sir Chris and Cole. He gets worse <laughs> by the episode. It's yeah. unreal. But I guess g- kudos to the actors doing a good job. Also kind of crazy though how he's barely aged in these 20 some years I've gone on. Like they probably should have cast another actor. And then I don't know, anyway, that's there. my opinion there. Like this dude's like 40 or something there. Like, I think he's like in his 20s or 30s. Anyways. So hate yeah, yeah. him. I need Damon or Herod to kill him in season two. The fact that he's the one who put the crown on Aegon too, I found was insane. It made no sense. He just keeps getting promoted too, like uh, doing, yeah. doing the least yeah. and getting the most, but yeah, he's definitely a cocky little prick and thinks he can get away. Literally get aw- get out of jail free card. How to get away with murder is just be Kristen Cole. Slam that guy's face in his marble, and um, <laughs> that was it was a wrap. I felt bad for Lord Beesbury, uh, but I knew he was done. As soon as you see Kristen Cole walk behind him, like, right, this guy's dead. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah uh, I'll be furious if he's around in season three. I'll just say that. The guy's gots to go in season two
1: christian cole he slept with ryanira when she was younger right yep. and then uh, ryanira gets handed that tea by the maester does she actually do we see her <laughs> sorry do we see her drink it no is her first kid christian cole's kid or is it sir harwin's someone asked me that at work the other day and i was like uh what wow. maybe you're right what do you think on that what do you think That's
0: i never thought of that um now I just uh, the only thing I'm not sure about on that theory though is like how old the kid would be because now okay. I forget also in what episode that happens because there's for sure sixteen years uh, I don't think so because there's sixteen It ye- eh, could be I don't know I don't know actually that's a that's a great fan theory I can't refute that off the top just don't yeah. know how old the kid is that's the thing because in episode eight. Her kid is maybe 16, but I don't even think he's 16 though. So he'd be, he'd be older than no, that because like, they hooked up before the 10 year time jump. So I don't know, but that would be crazy. If we come to find out that that's his kid in season two, that would be insane.
1: Well, one other thing the show did, unlike game of Thrones is it's not as, I don't want to use the word gratuitous cause I hate that word, but like we're getting less like Insane violence and mm. sex and nudity, and that could be a plus or a minus depending on who you are. But like, it's it's way toned down in my opinion, and like more, f- it's easier to watch. It's not like, like I found Game of Thrones like the, what the some of the violence scene with the Hound and like him killing people and just a lot of like sexual stuff in Game of Thrones. I find like this show is more like tempered down, and calmer, which is nice sometimes. The Damon Rhaenyra thing. We called. I mean, I know at least you called it, Eric. You said they would end up together, but like, did you think it would happen so fast? I didn't. Damon like went from first three episodes like being kind of a prick, bad guy, and now he's like, I freaking love Damon. He's like the muscle of Rhaenyra, and like he's badass. Um, he's a, we see him a lot less though, and I'm expecting to see a lot of the Targaryens in episode ten. So really looking forward to that. But like, did you like Damon's arc in the whole in the ep- in the nine episodes so far?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you. It did definitely move fast. Like in the span of three episodes, he lost two wives and got a third one. So that's like just a yeah. fact. In episode five, we see one; she died. He kills her actually. In six, the other one dies, and then seven, he marries Renira. That's true. So insane. Yeah. Movement, but I, then again, like a bunch of years have gone by in those three episodes, so it kind of makes a little more more justifiable. But yeah, no, I didn't see yeah. it coming that quickly, but also not surprised. Like I did think they would end up together. I don't remember if I thought it'd be in the next season or not. I also didn't expect him to. I didn't expect him to have a wife in between, like his wife that he had at the start of season one, and then Rhaenyra. Right? Like, yeah. I didn't think he would end up with that cousin. Which I actually liked a lot. Like, I liked him with her. I felt like that was an interesting dynamic and was shocked that she died that quickly. I think they're together one episode and then she died the next or something. So that was pretty wild. Um, no, I liked his story, his arc a lot. He's one of my favorite characters as well. Very badass. Like, his, um, I guess we talked about him mangling the crab feeder early in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see, like I said, I think they're teeing up. Damon versus Kristen and Damon versus Amon because Amon is a wannabe Damon. That, yeah. That's uh, they have the same letters in their name, little little um word jumble. He um they want him to be Damon for God's sakes. Probably why they named him Amon. So I'm yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to that. I do think unfortunately I could easily see Amon killing Damon just because they're showing him to be a formidable fighter. Damon is going to yeah. kill Kristen, but then it's going to be Eamon kills Damon, I think. Anyways, that's enough of me saying their names back and forth so many times. <laughs> love his character, though. And I love Rhaenyra. Like I love that they end up together. I didn't mind... Um, I forget his name now. Her husband. um, Lenore. Lenore, yeah. He was alright. I mean, not much to say on his character. I'm glad he wasn't killed, to be honest. I think that was a nice little twist at the end of episode 6 or 7. Where they fake his death and then he can live freely with yeah. Carl. So like that was good. I thought that was a good um twist. I don't know if we're gonna see him again. And you're right as well, um Renera's son, who's going to inherit Driftmark, that's gonna be a big factor down the road as well, to get the naval support because the high towers have the biggest dragon in the world. So that's gonna be a major problem. Another thing also, those three eggs that Damon found. I'm oh, yeah. convinced that those are the eggs that Daenerys is going to get. They they made a point of saying like oh. three eggs, three, <laughs> like, all right, Daenerys. That's oh. what I thought. So I think that's what we're going to see. Those eggs at the end of the show be smuggled out to um the man in Pentos who had the eggs and then gifted them to Daenerys. Love Damon and Rhaenyra. And I hope I'm I like their kids as well. I like their dynamic like between the two brothers, where the one was kind of um, worried that everyone was looking at them when they were in King's Landing. And then I was like, whatever, let them look like we're we're uh, Rhaenyra's sons, and um, we don't look like Targaryens, but who who cares? You know, like, that's a good attitude yeah. to have on life, like for uh, at a young age where it's like, yeah, it doesn't people are going to judge, like let, let them judge, we'll worry about us. So I, I like that a lot, and um, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing them fight some of allison's kids but they're definitely at a big disadvantage in my opinion
1: the three eggs i did not uh i didn't think that's a good call um good uh, catch eric because what i think is going to happen and it could be as soon as this next episode but like this is going to be like the last of the dragons fighting each other mm-hmm. dragon v dragon and, like, this is going to be, like, where all the drag, Because there hasn't been any dragons for so long in the first Game of Thrones episode. Like, this is where we're going to see the fall of the dragons. Not the Targaryens, but the dragons themselves. They're already in those dragon pits, and they're smaller than normal. So, I think we're going to see a lot of dragon action, a lot of, like, dragon deaths.
0: Next episode? And that'd be
1: cool if no more dragon... What?
0: Next episode?
1: i am saying maybe as soon as next oh, okay, episode. Okay. But maybe... Probably my prediction is probably for the next few seasons we're gonna see' we're gonna see high towers basically like there are no, there are no high towers in Game of Thrones, so like the writing's on the wall there, but like the how is what we want right how is it all gonna go down that's the thing with prequels we want to know like how it's gone there I want to see uh, young king Ares aka the mad king like is he a spawn of Amond I don't know yeah <laughs> um you would think though that um. Alicent and Viserys, is like, Aegon and Aemon, they'd be fine because, you know, they weren't born of incest. <laughs> Where our Daemon our and Rhaenyra, they don't have any kids, obviously, no, but, like... They, they do have kids. Well, they have the one. So... The that, one, right? Viserion?
0: They have two. They have Aegon as well. They have an Aegon as well. Of course they do. Oh, and they have okay, a Viserys. Okay. So, you know what? Viserys. It yeah. probably is them we are going to end up winning because, like, I mean... Right. Children of incest and then we're going to see one of the Aegons or Viserys have an heiress, And then it's like, all right, that's our boy. That's the guy. He's going to turn everything upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Good good point. I forgot that there's so many kids. Like freaking Damon has kids with like all these factions, the Valerians. Like there's a lot of kids. Um, Corlys has a big family. Uh, is Corlys gonna come back? You know, there's not a body. They just said he's wounded at sea. Like, are we gonna see Corlys come back? That would be badass if he did.
0: I think so. Now, what? And then, what's the dynamic gonna be there? Is he mad at Damon for slicing his bro in half, or is he like, yeah, he was an asshole. Like, he was yeah. trying to take my throne, and I'm not, I'm not even dead. So, <laughs> I, he might just be like, all right, let's yeah. move on and take down these high towers. Which that's another good point. That, like you said, we know there are no high towers in Game of Thrones. But also, by that point, is the fact that Alicent... Like, her last name doesn't get um, carried out, really. And and there's still, like, a hundred and so so years in between these events and Game of Thrones, so maybe um, it is her lineage that stays on the throne there. I hope not. Um, I want it to be Rhaenyra and Daemon. But I also liked how a lot of characters questioned that la those last words that not everyone was taking it for at face value that yeah he changed his mind last minute even Aegon's like he had 20 years to name me air and he didn't so
1: he's not stupid but yeah yeah i like Otto. like the whole show super quiet but at the end like in the dragon pit like the voice of a natural born orator like (laughs) talking to the masses i'm like boy, like He can do everything, this guy. I like that. Little touches, yeah. Auto the Auditor. I like little things like that.
0: Great yeah. character. He's a fantastic oh, villain amazing. as well. Again, though, I think he needs to go, they all do. <laughs> and yeah, I agree with you that Dance of the Dragons is gonna happen. I don't think this episode coming up, I think it's gonna be later in season two. I'm still holding out hope. Like I, I'm still standing on my call that the show is going to end with the fall of House Targaryen. I think we're going to see the rise and fall of the Mad King. I think we're going to see more time jumps for sure. But I want yeah. this storyline to resolve itself without time jumps. I want the next time jump to be okay. when one of these two families ends up on the throne. And then we start seeing their kids as kids. I don't want to see... Aemon is now forty, and we're still fighting. You know, and that's kind of what I don't want to happen. Because we need Damon fighting. Like we need Damon at the height of his power, fighting for Team Rhaenyra. I think all the
1: time jumps. The time jumps led us to right now, and now we don't need any more time jumps until exactly. it's resolved. Well said, Eric. Well said. Because all the actors are perfect right now. Like everyone's where they need to be age wise. Press the start button on this conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the criticism I've heard of this show. It was, like, it's it's not a super fast-paced show. You even said it's, like, political talk, political power plays. Not super action-packed, Eric. You can't argue that. Like, there was a lot more action in Rings of Power. Yep. There's not that much going on in terms of that. I'm, I have no problem with it, but I can see why a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Hoping to see a bit more... I don't want, like, another Battle of the Blackwater Bay or whatever, but, like, it, it's weird because I actually love, like, the... The conversations and stuff so i don't know maybe more one-on-ones you know like just like duels or uh, i don't know it's hard to say dragon action of course um that's what i would like to see for the future seasons just like show us more
0: i want to see big set battles actually coming up in the next yeah. few seasons like, i'm okay. not surprised we didn't get any really other than the crab feeder one in season one, like they're still developing their budget and all that, but I want to see like a massive battle between these two families alongside individual duels between individuals. So that's what I want to see going forward. And yeah, keep the political intrigue stuff, you know, they will, right? It's Game of Thrones. And yeah, like you said, I feel like Rings of Power is probably a more fun watch and more action, which I enjoyed a lot. But like I said, to begin, overall. I'm never on my phone when I watch house of the dragon and I often was on my phone at the same time while I was watching rings of power. And that's not to say I wasn't into it the whole time, but it just doesn't captivate me the same way that house of the dragons does. And honestly, of people I've spoken to most people preferred rings of power and I even put a poll up and it was leaning rings of power or enjoyed them the same, not house of the dragon. Okay. So, from the people I know I've spoken to, I'm not, I wasn't that surprised when I saw the poll results. But then when you look at the reviews online, it's, like, heavily favoring House of the Dragon. And it's I feel like the people are rating Rings of Power way too harshly, though. Like, I really enjoy the show. I still have House of the Dragon above it, but I don't think it deserves, like, low ratings it's getting. Not at all. Like, I really liked Rings of Power.
1: Like you just said, I like the shows for so much different reasons. Like, Game of uh, House of the Dragon... I can't miss a line of dialogue. Like, I got to pay attention 120%, like, dialed in. I can't miss a word because I know it's going to be important. And rings of power, like you said, you know, the phone can come out once in a while. I think people think House of the Dragons pretentious. Just, like, the people that aren't the biggest Game of Thrones fans are like, oh, everyone loves Game of Thrones. Why is it so good? They just talk all the time. Like, it has a mystique now. Like, anything Game of Thrones related is going to have that, like, oh, everyone just loves just loves it because it because it's Game of Thrones <clears throat> but I think now with House of Dragon they're like okay it's not as good as Game of Thrones we know it's not as good as Game of Thrones at least for me it, it it it's not it can be though like if it has a super strong ending then we're gonna have a whole different show talking about like what was better because a strong finish to me is better than a strong uh, uh beginning but no I love them for both different reasons if I had to pick one, it would be House of the Dragon, just because I'm just so much more invested. Like, I care more about what's going to happen to Rhaenyra than one of the yeah. Lord of the Ring
0: characters. Same.
1: Better TV, in my opinion.
0: Maybe we also, because we also know where all the, like, a lot of the major characters in Rings of Power are going. Like, we know Galadriel Elrond are going to yeah. be safe. We know Elendil is dying. We know Isildur's is yeah. killing Sauron. Like, we know... We kind of know what's happening with those characters. Then there are others that we don't really know what their fates are going to be. So, but it's still definitely I'm yeah. still invested in all those characters. And uh, that being said, there. And whereas House of the Dragon, any, anybody, everybody's on the chopping block. It's um, is definitely a way to get you um, more invested as far as caring for characters. That's my opinion, anyways. And I do want to say actually something you said earlier that I we didn't have a chance to comment on. I think there's been a lot of shock value in house, of the dragon, man. I want to say every episode has had a moment. I'm like, my God, there's like, okay, let's just look back at last episode that the foot scene with Laris, like that was pretty nasty. Yeah. Like, that's in a different way, but that was like an uncomfortable scene. Then I'm thinking first episode, yeah. there's the, the C section, the second episode, the boat or the elk being killed. That was brutal. Like I rewatched that episode. I fast forward to that sp- that part. There was another, another birthing scene, with Rhaenyra at the start of episode six there's um even like the child pit in this last episode too with, like the claws and like their oh, yeah. teeth there's been a lot yeah. of a lot of uh, crazy stuff in my opinion that's been uh, like shock value in a different way like I agree not as much sex and violence but still like they're I still feel like they're pushing the the envelope for like what you want to see on the screen
1: all right, that's fair. And, like, even just Damon in, like, episode one or two, dismembering, like, thieves and city folk that have committed crimes. Yeah, episode one. Yeah, episode one. Just, yeah, you're right. It's got its share of blood. But, yeah, I don't have much more on the show other than, like, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. it this Again, this show, too, has so much potential because, uh, let's be honest, we have dragons here, and every time they're on screen, they look so majestic and cool. Just watch the last two minutes of episode nine, and you know what I mean. Yep. That was like bone chilling. Like when the dragons appear like that, the whole world evaporates around me and I'm so dialed into this show.
0: It never gets And I Yeah. I'm looking forward to the finale. I'll be uh, recording something right after the episode airs and presenting my thoughts on this episode because I'll be able to watch it live and then pod is going live. Well, by the time you're hearing this, the pod will be going live the day after I do my little recording. So it's been fun talking about both these shows with you, Matt. Both looking forward to season 2 seasons two respectively random recommendations. I don't have that much that I've watched or listened to, but I will say, so I finished the wire and it got me starting another HBO show called we own this city, which I had preemptively recommended before having even seen a second of it. And it's like kind of a continuation of the wire. Almost. It's literally set in Baltimore it's um, following the police in, police in Baltimore. And there are a ton of actors from The Wire in this show. So it's uh-huh. I don't want to like, say any actors are in there, Matt, so that when you watch it, it's just be like, oh, yeah, this guy, this girl there. So it's just been cool to see them pop up. And in, in, some of them in completely different roles, others in kind of similar roles. So I'm just liking seeing them pop up as well. John Bernthal is the lead, kills it as per usual. I'm only two episodes in, but I'm really enjoying it so far. The other one is one that, I haven't, I've only seen once years ago, but again with The Wire, Michael K. Williams, haven't seen him in that show. Is a limited series on HBO called um, The Night of. Mm -hmm. Fantastic show. It's kind of like a a murder whodunit, if you will, where a guy played by Riz Ahmad um, goes out one night, meets this girl, goes back to her place wakes up the next day and she's dead and then he gets framed for her murder and the riot is insane it's got me wanting to rewatch it honestly but if anyone hasn't seen it i'd strongly recommend the night of and then we own this city as well i'm going through it right now so hopefully it's it doesn't end up being a the bear situation but i'm recommending those two shows
1: <laughs> the bear or she hulk freak uh, I mean, uh, but a-
0: she hulk in my opinion, I like the ending a lot. I'll just say that. Episodes 8 and 9, I was a big fan of.
1: Oh, I guess I got to get on that. Maybe I will. Yeah. Since I'll be home sick these next few days. Mm, yeah. Um,
0: Godspeed.
1: Okay, I'll get back on She-Hawk. Not the bear, though. Um, <laughs> the Night Of, echo everything you say. I loved watching it. I, I watched it every... Uh, I watched it, like, when it came out. Loved it. Loved how... I'm not going to add... No spoilers, mm. but... Loved how it ended.
0: Mm, yeah, like, great ending.
1: That tone. It's bone chilling just like the wire ending just love that Mm -hmm. i've been watching like the shows i've been watching we just talked about movie wise i've been busy haven't been watching a lot i'll just recommend uh uh, screw it i'll recommend a movie i I 100% recommended before but it was over a year ago so it's on disney plus togo it's the dog movie with willem dafoe Mm,
0: okay
1: uh togo togo it's honestly, I've watched it like three, four times now. It's such an easy movie to watch. And it's inspiring, heartwarming, funny, and pretty badass, to be honest, what this dog does and Willem Dafoe does. It's just, it's a feel-good movie, but like, not like cheat, not, not, it doesn't tug on your heartstrings too much, like make you like all sappy and stuff like it. It doesn't exploit that fact. It's just presenting you with a nice story. So that's Togo. Um, I watched other movies. I don't care to talk too much about them. Um uh, maybe we can talk some music a little bit. Let's do it. I do I do recommend Freddie Gibbs' new album Sold Sold Separately. Took me a while. Like I got it I have listened to it a lot now and now I'm loving it. Didn't love it like the first spin, but I'm actually digging like it's totally different from Alfredo, right, Eric? Yep. Like I just the features on there and I'm digging it though. Like, what did you think?
0: Yeah. In my opinion, a much more personal album too. I feel like he speaks more on his life experience and his growth as well as a person, which I've enjoyed a lot, like seeing that side of him on, on a record, but he still comes through with the classic Freddy Freddie, Diversity and his flow switch up in my opinion is insane. He hits some sick melodies too on some choruses, like Money Man yeah. with Offset. And I actually don't know if that's the name of the song. I, don't, I just play it from start to finish. And um song two, song yeah. three, it's the one with Offset. Three, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now gotta I to make it. that I money. I think man. it's Money yeah, Man yeah. is the name of the song. Got to get that money man. money, man. Yeah, I like that. It's, I like that song pain and strife not even close so yeah great song I, I, but no, i really enjoy the album big time even like too much the fifth song with that which has like kind of a mainstream appeal like uh too much uh, uh, too much. anyway i think it's a really great song and um the song with dj paul too dark hearted i want a what? freddie gibbs push a t collab album but unfortunately freddie gibbs has come out and said that he's probably done releasing music like this is his last album so i hope that's not the case nah. seeing as yeah. i picked him as one of my artists forever i guess i just have to go back and listen to all of his albums but no if this is his, his last album fantastic album and i was kind of worried obviously i'll probably be talking about this one on our hip-hop episode there but i was kind of worried about this album knowing that it didn't have just one producer like a lot of his great albums were have just been with like alchemist or Madlib. And here he he collaborated with a lot of people, and uh, like the result was really mm-hmm. good. So no, love the album.
1: Yeah, it's like that one. There's been a lot of like, I think we already talked about them. Like the, uh, I can't remember the the guy from Flatbush Zombies.
0: That yeah, Michi Darko album.
1: Yeah, that album's been really good. Cause I've been the more I listen to it, I love the vibe, the atmosphere of the album. Listen to it on my way to work, like when it's dark outside nice. in the morning and everything's pitch black because it's the country. Like it's pretty cool. I'm not <laughs> gonna lie
0: a lot of bangers on that album. It's a, and also some personal So Oh, it's a great album.
1: There's been a lot of albums this year too. Disappointing. But we'll get into all that in the Hip Hop yeah. uh, 2022 show. Is there any albums you've... Uh...
0: Yeah. So I'll recommend one yeah. that um, I try to... I like to keep the ones I'll have on my list at the right. end of the year. I don't like to recommend them. But just so if it's something that you might have not heard, I w- would like to get it out there. Maybe it ends up on someone else's list too. I don't know. But one album that I... That is released recently. It actually dropped on the same day as Freddie Gibbs's album. is called Fair Exchange No Robbery by Boldy James and Nicholas uh-huh. Craven. So, Boldy James, obviously, I've talked about, he's been on a few of our top 10 lists and has been on mine like the last few years. And Nicholas Craven is a music producer out of Montreal, actually. So, a nice um, Canada oh, wow. on the rise. It's a great album, 10 songs, and honestly, for me, it just gets better every time, like, at first, I wasn't a huge fan on how, how the album starts, I was like, alright, this is kind of weird, but then, from second listen on, I'm like, alright, this is getting better and better, and now it's, uh, I have to slow down and listen to it, because I don't want to be sick of it, but I think it's a great album, very catchy, like, the beats are insane, and uh, now I'm, I'm going to look definitely look forward to listening to more of Nicholas Craven's music because he collaborates with a lot of artists that I like. So um, it's cool to see Montreal on the rise in the hip-hop scene. It's a great album. And you know, if you, you're looking up the album cover too, Matt, I don't know if you recognize it. Like it's a, a spin on like the maple syrup can, like that classic okay. can there. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, Fair exchange, Fair exchange, No Robbery. It's cool, a great album. Okay, I sweet
1: and good. I'm going to check that out uh, like tomorrow morning. Oh, wait. I was going to say on my drive to work, but I ain't going to work. Nope, Fair Exchange, No Robbery. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see the cover. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. One more, too. I'll say um, Only Built for Infinity Links by Quavo and Takeoff. Actually, a great it's good. album. Like I okay. was not expecting it to be this good. Really enjoyed it. It's in my mind, Culture One Best Migos Album. I like Culture Two a lot, but this has potential to be better than Culture Two in my opinion.
1: Oh, great
0: stuff! Big fan. I remember I actually talked about it with Brandon, saying that I was excited for it stupidly, and then he wasn't a fan of the title, thinking that it was disrespectful to only built for Cuban links, which I don't, like, I don't fully disagree with. But apparently, they got the blessing on the title from Raekwon, so. Anyways, I didn't like the title myself. I just felt like it sounded odd. Only built for infinity links. Like, only built for Cuban links sounds sick. But, I know, that being said, the album is actually really good. I'd definitely recommend it to anyone who who enjoys Migos' music, for sure. If you're not a fan of their music, it's not for you. But if you do um, mess with that, it's good stuff. All right.
1: I skipped it, but you're giving it – you're endorsing it, so I'm going to listen to it now. I'm not – I can listen to Migos. I like their, like, their good stuff I love, so – Okay, cool, cool. Two albums to check out. That's awesome. I feel like we've been flooded with albums this year. Like I have a lot on my list right now, and it's great. There's still like two and a half months or two months. So
0: yeah, especially late Solid. in the year too. There's a lot of stuff coming out soon. Um, Westside yeah. Gun dropping an album in a few weeks. Looking forward to that. Your boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got it narrow right now. I have a top ten, but I know it's not final because there are some that are fillers and others that could jump in right when i when i re listen to the like the serious contenders i do i'll do full re-listens and um, make a decision from there because there's albums that dropped early in the year that i don't listen to anymore and i just went back last week and listened to one that i had initially in top 10 and took out but now like oh no i have to have this back it's so good just because i don't listen to it as much like it's recency bias is for sure a thing and that's where i feel like an album might drop in december and then it'll take up a spot of something I actually listen to way more. But because I'm listening to it in those last... Like, I feel like Magic, that might have been the case. Did you and Brandon not have it on your list? Like, Magic, again, great album. But I just wonder if that, like, because it was so good at the end of the year, like, this has to be on here. Maybe it bumped out something that you actually ended up listening more. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Very well said, Eric. Um, I think it did make my list... But not as high as it would have. Or it made Brandon's list, but not as high as it would have. Mm-hmm. Can't remember.
0: And that too, yeah. Like maybe it should have been higher. Uh, King's Disease 3 actually dropping in November. November 11th. So stay tuned wow. for that. Nas, still Nas. What going an animal. Insane run.
1: Oh, I love it. Probably Brandon's number one. Uh, probably, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he's super bi- I mean, it's his favorite living artist, so... But yeah, that's all I had, Eric. I've been work's been crazy and I've been doing a lot of fall stuff, like going I went to another pumpkin patch. Oh, oh, okay, another recommendation. <laughs> not it has nothing to do with media though. It's just like that's fine. if you haven't done something in ten years and you've had an inkling to do it and like go back to the glory days of it. I've been kicking myself for not playing hockey in the last mm. eight, nine years. I finally went back to it with pickup hockey with the guys from work that do it every week super chill there's no refs but the skills the skill level's pretty high and everyone's really friendly and it's just a pickup hockey game every week i i've been having a blast um first game was rough but i'm more and more like easing my way into it like getting my hands back basically and i've been having a i forgot how awesome uh, playing hockey how awesome it is and i don't know you when your league starting but if you're desperate for players like as a backup i'm definitely there to i've definitely uh i definitely down to play, Eric, if you need spares one day.
0: I'll definitely be reaching out to you then before your dad if we need a player because while he was a very reliable player for us, I'll definitely extend the invite to you first to get you on our squad there if we need players. But no, shout-out FC for showing up to the games that he did. He was good for us. Uh, but no, that's awesome, man. Is it? So you said no refs. Are there scores or is it more like shiny-based hockey? Like, is there a score in the game?
1: Yeah, I'm- No score, like, no score. Shitty base hockey. There's two goalies. We don't do face-off. There's icing and offside, but it's, like, honor system. You know, like, dump the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of good players. We get, like, both. We get the really older players and then the actually good players that played at a high level when they were younger. My dad actually joined me the last two times, and I never played hockey with my dad until those two games, and it's been a blast. So, like, just my recommendation is... If you have an inkling to do something that you loved in the past and you're thinking about redoing it, like doing it again, just do it. Because I've been slacking on this for so long, and I'm so glad I did it now. Yeah, so that's all I have.
0: And uh, I think that's a great way to cap it off too. A lot of fun going over these two shows with you, Matt. Um, looking forward, like I said, to see how it ends to, uh, Sunday there and um, and the next seasons for these shows. So any final notes for the listeners?
1: Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. It really means a lot to me and Eric. Um, I had a blast tonight, Eric, talking about these two shows. It always goes by so fast and can't can't wait for episode 100. Yeah, just thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good one.
0: Indeed. So, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. Uh, happy Halloween in advance. Love you all, and, yeah, peace. Hey everybody. So, like I said earlier in the episode, I'll be offering up my thoughts quickly on the House of the Dragon season one finale episode. I'll just start off by saying I absolutely love the episode. I thought it was a great setup for what's to come in the next season, which is ultimately be the Dance of the Dragons. So the war between the Greens and the Blacks, as they call themselves. So the heart, the Targaryens, and the High Towers. I do like that the whole time. We see Damon's eagerness to go to war with them immediately, without even a second thought. He's ready to slice Otto's head off on the bridge in front of everybody. Which I, I would have loved to see Otto get sliced and diced in that moment. But he's such a strong villain that you really do need him around, and that would be a huge blow for the Greens to lose him. Especially that way, like he was really at the mercy of um, our um, everybody's favorite couple, Daenerys, Denir- uh, and Damon. So it's good that he didn't die there. Amon knew it was going to be problem. a uh, problem. I also knew that Luceris going to Storm's End, they made such a big deal of like, oh, okay, it's such a short ride to come back home and all that. I knew that there was going to be something happening with him. Didn't necessarily know that he would die, but I had a feeling that the first move would be made against him that would then convince Rhaenyra to go to war which is exactly what ended up happening and what a scene that was for me that was the standout scene of the episode the tension the um the thriller aspect of whether or not Eamon on his monster of a dragon would catch Lucerys and his aunt compared to Eamon's dragon his dragon crazy scene very sad to see him die like that and also I, I will note that I did enjoy how Amund felt bad and knew right away, like, I messed up. Uh, that is not how I wanted it to go. That he also lost control of his dragon, which I think will be important or is good foreshadowing in that these kids especially do not have the full control of their dragons. And a nice mirroring of that would be how Damon was able to seemingly, even though we don't see him really tame the dragon that he went to see in wherever he was or those caves... I'm convinced Damon just acquired another dragon in his arsenal like he for sure was able to lull that dragon into submission and avatar like was able to make the dragon bend the knee to Damon so a nice foil in Damon wishes he was Aemon, Aemon wishes he was Damon and that those two scenes are perfect foils to one another how Damon lost control and his dragon ate his nephew straight up now the war can begin. I can't wait for season two. Similarly to Lord of the Rings, they got me itching for more. And um, yeah, great, great stuff. What an episode. I like how there was a lot of buildup for the, um, the decision to end up going to war. It it didn't feel rushed. This was earned. Feel just gutted for Rhaenyra. And now she's going to mess some ish up. So let's go. Team Targaryen. Team Rhaenyra. I'm out of here. Chris and Cole better die in season two. Peace.